We are going to continue with 1 Corinthians this, this week. Uh, next week we may deviate from that for Sabbath and then uh, come back to it after next week. So we will continue. And this morning I titled my message, There is Only One God. Friends, there is only one true God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I include all three, but there is one true God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Friends, we know that today, right? We know that we all have knowledge. We have knowledge. We have brains, that, minds that think. We have knowledge of things. Some have more knowledge than others, but we all have knowledge. But knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. Amen. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning things, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. Let that sink in for a moment. We know, do you know, that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. Friends, let that sink in. There is the Word of God. There is only one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. Now, so is that contradicting what he just said? No. They are nothing. They are, there are, without a doubt, so-called gods. But there is no other God, true God, but one. Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for Him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things, or who, whom are all things, and through whom we live. Amen. Therefore, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware lest somehow your, this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not their conscience, or the conscience of him, who is weak, be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against your brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His Word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we do thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that your spirit would be in this place today, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and help us to receive your truth. Father, anything that is not of you, let it, Lord, just be gone. Let it not even be spoken. Father, but only your truth, Lord God, would penetrate deep into our hearts and our minds to give us understanding, Father. And it would be used for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 2, Paul said, If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. So let's talk about knowledge for a moment. 
Knowledge is what guides us, isn't it? Knowledge is what is going to direct the paths in our lives, what we take. What we, the knowledge that we have might direct the career path we take. The knowledge we have might correct the spiritual path we take in our lives. The knowledge and the understanding that we have, right? John Wooden, a former UCLA basketball coach, was a man who continually strived to uh, gain knowledge and gain understanding and to uh, reach the greatest potential in his life. And he tried to instill that same principle in the players that played for him. And he had a saying. He said, the more that you learn, the greater the chance that you will think you know it all. And he says, if that happens, you become unteachable. And you, know, you are no longer growing and improving. So knowledge is good as long as it does not come to the place where we think we know it all. Because when we do, then we become unteachable. So we should be at the place, and I've heard it said many times, the more I know, the more I know I don't know. That's, right. That's where we should be. The more I learn, the more that I know that I do not know. So Lord, help me to remain teachable should be our prayer. Help me, Lord, to continue to seek knowledge. He's not saying knowledge is bad. 2 Timothy 2.15, the King James Version says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we are to study. We are to seek knowledge. But as the Apostle Paul says, knowledge can puff up. Meaning that it has a potential to make one proud. Think that we, we, are, we know it all. I am so much more... In, I'm not speaking to myself. I'm just saying some people that way. Because I'm not that. Some people will say, I know it all. I'm so intelligent. And some people will use their knowledge to hold and hold it over others. There are people I know that have knowledge of certain things and they'll, they'll grasp it and keep it in here and won't share it with others. My friends, true knowledge is to be shared. Hopefully, that the student will someday be even greater and more knowledgeable than the teacher. Knowledge is good. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty, haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. We are not to become proud or prideful of the knowledge and the things that God has given us, but we are to use it for His glory. Paul is not just talking about ordinary knowledge here in this passage, though. He is talking about a knowledge concerning spiritual things. The knowledge of the freedom of a, that a believer can have in Jesus Christ. My friends, there is a freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. Not a freedom to sin. That's not what I'm talking about. But a freedom that can bring conviction. Some have convictions over eating certain things. You look at the ceremonial laws and the rituals that they followed in the Old Testament. We have the freedom from the ceremonial, some of these ceremonial laws and some of the rituals. Like meat that was dedicated to an idol. You know, the devil has a counterfeit for everything, doesn't he? He does. He has a counterfeit for everything. Everything that God does, the devil has a counterfeit for it. God instituted the sacrificial system, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. Why? As a way for the people to atone for their sins. 
Every year they would come, they would bring their sacrifices, sometimes more than once a year, but bring their sacrifices to God for the sins that they had committed. And they, they would place the, the sacrifice on the altar, and of course every, every year they would place their hands on the, the lamb and send it off. So they had a sacrificial system. And it was governed by the Levites, the priest of the Levites. So Satan also developed a sacrificial system. All of these false gods, all of these idols, many of them. There was Adrimelech, the sun god. Asherah, the fertility god. Baal, their principal god. Chemosh, the destroyer. Jupiter and Zeus, the ruler of the heavens. And of course, we can't forget the golden calf. That was an idol that they built. The children of Israel built it. Why? Where did they see this at? In Egypt? Even they built an idol. But all of these false gods, they had temples. Corinth had temples to these false gods. So they had, not only did they have their temples, they too had priests. And these people would take the sacrifices to the priest. Right? These false priests, this counterfeit system. So they would take these sacrifices. They would only use part of it. They would only use part of it for the sacrifice. So the rest, they would have a private feast or they would sell it to the marketplace. So here's what happened in Corinth. The meat that the priest would sell to the marketplace, most of the time, it would be much cheaper than the regular stuff. So it'd be kind of like you go down to the marketplace and you might find some steak there for $2 a pound. I'm trying to go back. I mean, sure, it was more than, less than that even back then. But there'd be some there for 50 cents a pound because it was sacrificed or dedicated to an idol. So they got it very cheap. So for these poor Christians, they could only afford the cheap, the cheap stuff. But the key to the debate is this, if I can call it a debate. There were Gentile believers that had the knowledge, that knew that these idols were nothing. That this meat offered to this sacrifice meant, or this sacrifice to this idol meant absolutely nothing because the idol was nothing. Right? All it was was a statue or a graven image that they built by the hands of men. By the imaginations of men, by the hands of men, by the deception of Satan. Counterfeit system. They knew that. They had that knowledge. They knew it meant nothing at all. They knew that that meat that had been dedicated to that idol, the leftover, had no way to defile that Christian. It was not going to harm them or hurt them spiritually in any way. They had that knowledge. It was nothing. They knew that there was no other God but one. And that is the God in heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Paul declares the nothingness of idols. The Psalms declares the nothingness of idols also. Psalms 115, 3-12. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. That's all it is, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. They have feet, but they do not walk. Nor, they, nor, nor do they mutter their, 
mutter through their throats. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. My friends, our God hears. Our God has ears. He hears when we pray. He hears when we speak to Him. Our God has hands. They are not just hands made of stone by the fashions of men's minds. He has hands that help. He has feet. He is alive and He is well. Receive that today. He's not the God who was. He is the God who is. You know, I'm sure that most have probably read the account in 1 Kings chapter 18. The, the children of Israel had turned their backs on God. They began to worship and follow the idols of their neighbors. And God sent a word to Elijah. He says, challenge the people. Challenge these false prophets. The prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. There were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. Elijah went to them and he challenged them. He says, here's what we're going to do. Because our, my God does not allow people to worship false idols along with Him at the same time. You either worship the one true God or you do not. He said, so here's what we're going to do. I challenge you. We'll build two altars and we will bring a sacrifice. You place your sacrifice upon your altar and you cry out to your God and then I will place my sacrifice upon the altar to God and I will cry out to God. And the one who answers with fire, He is God. He is the one that ye shall worship. And they said, that sounds great to us. We, Alright, this sounds like a good plan. We're going to settle this once and for all. So the prophets of Baal built their, their, their altar and put their sacrifice upon it. And they cried out to their gods from morning until noon. And nothing happened. Nothing at all happened. So then Elijah began to mock them. He said, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe He is meditating. Maybe He's on a journey somewhere. Maybe you need to cry out a little louder. So they did. They cried out the louder. They cut themselves, throw themselves upon that altar until the time of the evening sacrifice. From morning until evening, they cried out to their God, my friends. And then by the end of that time, the only thing that happened is they had blood coming down their arms or their knees or wherever because nothing happened. Their God did not hear. Why? Because He is nothing but a false idol. So then Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. They poured the water around the... They built a trough around the altar, put the sacrifice upon it, and God said, called out the God, the God in heaven, and immediately... Fire came down out of heaven, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the altar, lift up the water out of the trough. Why? Because He is the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. He is the one true God. He is the God that can breathe down fire out of heaven and consume the sacrifice. That's why something happened whenever God, Elijah called out to God. Because He is God. An idol, a false God. My friends... They're not going to hear. They're stone. They're gold. They're steel. Whatever. My friends, there are many false, false idols or false gods today. We may not have a graven image standing up in our, in our yard or in our buildings, 
But there are many false gods out there today. It is anything that is more important to you than God can be an idol. So what is more important to you than God? I pray nothing. I pray that God is the most important thing in your life. I hope that you are seeking Him with all of your heart, soul, mind. All that is within you. All that is within you. Because if you want to find true joy, if you want to try find true peace, you're only going to find it in Jesus Christ and God the Father. Matthew 6, 19-21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I pray that we have no idols upon this earth, but the only one that we seek is God, the God in heaven. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get back to the principle behind this entire passage. Paul speaks to those who have the knowledge that the false gods are nothing, and that believers in faith, faith in the one true God, that meat left over from these sacrifices is no way going to defile a Christian, has no demonic power over the Christian. That idol had no power, no power at all. My friends, if any of those idols had any power at all, they could have at least sent a little spark to ignite that flame under that sacrifice on Mount Carmel, couldn't they? Right? If they had any power at all, they could have done that. But they didn't. Paul said in verse 8, But food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. That's pretty clear that food is not going to commend us one way or the other. No matter what type of food we're talking about, food does not commend you to God, period. I know there's a lot of things out there we say, well, we shouldn't eat this, we shouldn't eat that. It's not going to commend us to God. I know that there are some foods, I've talked about it before, some foods are definitely not very healthy for you. But we're not talking about health. We're talking about spiritual matters here Amen. this morning. Spiritual matters. I think a key word in this passage is a little word called however. However. Paul says, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge. Meaning, everyone did not have the knowledge that idols are nothing. Some still had the conviction. Yes, they had faith in God. They believed in God. But their conscience convicted them from eating anything that may have been dedicated to an idol. But they still believed in God. In their defense... Brothers and sisters, they had been taught all their lives to separate themselves from anything that had to do with an idol. All their lives. I mean, they were taught to separate themselves from foreigners. Do not marry those from the foreign lands. Do not allow any of their idols or any of their false worship to come in. They were taught all their lives to be separated from it, have nothing to do with it. So I can imagine why they would have a hard time not being convicted of eating something that was offered to a, sac or to a false idol. 
in their minds, it was very real. Very real. So it's easy to understand. So the heart of this entire message is be sensitive. Be sensitive to those whose convictions convict them of such things. Friends, if you have a brother or sister in Jesus Christ that before they came to the Lord, they had a drinking problem, and if you would invite them to go out to dinner and say, bring us a few beers, you are putting a stumbling block at the feet of that brother. A stumbling block. You could cause that one to fall right back into the sin of drunkenness. Friends, there may be some that, you know, they could go view an R-rated movie because they have absolutely no problem with any lustful thoughts or anything like that in their minds, and they might be just fine. But if you invite a brother or sister to go see an R-rated movie that you know has sensual scenes in it, you could be putting a stumbling block before them. So that's what this whole thing is about. Be sensitive to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not put a stumbling block before them. Be mindful of the freedom that you have. And don't think you have to push it on them. Let them grow at their own pace. Let them gain their understanding as they study the Word of God and seek Him in prayer and meditate upon His Word. Let them grow as God would have them to grow. But whatever we do, don't put a stumbling block before our brothers and sisters. That's what this is all about. This whole passage is about. Don't be a stumbling block because that is not the way of Christ. We are to edify. What did He say? Love builds up. Love edifies. It does not tear down or put the stumbling block in. Paul said, even though I have the freedom to eat whatever I want. Paul said, I can eat anything. I know it's not going to hurt me. But I will never eat meat again if it will cause my brother to stumble. Are we there? I'll give up meat for the rest of my life rather than cause one to stumble. I will never drink wine again or beer again. Well, it's not going to be a sacrifice for me not to drink wine because I don't like it. <laughs> I'll never drink it again, though, if it'll cause my brother to stumble. Let's never do that thing that causes our brother or sister to stumble, even though we may have the freedom to do it. We can't use our knowledge of our, in our freedoms to hinder a fellow believer because love builds up. Acts 24.16 says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. Towards God and man. Let's not offend our brothers and sisters. Verse 6 said, Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for Him and one Lord, Jesus Christ. My friends, the Lord that we serve was alive, walked this earth, and is alive. I diverted. I didn't get into the Palm Sunday or the palms, the waving the palm branches, so we're going to close with that reading that Scripture from uh, Matthew 21. It's not going to be on the screen. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, At the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, 
Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a colt tied and a colt with her, a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on, him, on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? My friends, it was Jesus. He is alive. He was alive, but he still is alive. Amen. He was crucified, buried, resurrected, and he is alive. Our God is alive and real and well. He hears our prayers. He sent his spirit to help, and he works through you and I. He works through those who believe in him to be his hands and feet, to give him glory and honor. So we, yeah, you have those palm branches this morning. Remember, they waved them and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Son of David, the one true God, the one true God. I pray that He is your one true God. Everyone listening, everyone may be watching, I pray that you make Jesus Christ the one that you seek with all of your heart, with all that is within you. Do not follow the idols or the things of this world, but only Him, the one true God. Amen? Amen.